Welcome to Purdue Crop Chat, a regular podcast from Hoosier Ag Today and the Purdue University Extension Service, featuring Purdue Extension soybean specialist Dr. Sean Castile and Extension corn specialist Dr. Dan Quinn. On this episode number 23, how are the corn and soybean crops looking here in mid-August? There's potentially some drought stress out there. There's still a lot of kernel weight left to be made and a lot of yield left to be made in this corn crop moving forward. The month that makes or breaks soybeans we always talked about growing up, it was August. Um, you know, I, I kind of switch it. It's, it's mid-August to mid-September that month period, that 30-day period. And, you know, in this year, I mean, we definitely need those timely rains. Now on Purdue Crop Chat, here's your host, who's your Ag Today's, Eric Pfeiffer. So in last week's USDA reports on Thursday, they're expecting record yields for both corn and soybeans here in Indiana. And the big question is, do we believe it? Do we believe it's actually going to happen? And that's why we have our experts on the show today, Dan Quinn, Purdue Extension Corn Specialist, and Sean Castile, Purdue Extension Soybean Specialist. Gentlemen, hello. Thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. Uh, let's talk. Let's let's start with corn uh, because, you know, we're, we've been hearing all season long, this corn crop is good. You know, you and I have talked to some of the same farmers, some different farmers, but everybody is very excited or had been very excited about this corn crop. USDA apparently is pretty excited about it too. But now some of the people I talk to are a little less optimistic. What do you think, Dan? Um, I think, you know, you look at the number, it's 194 bushels per acre. That's the highest August crop report number we've had for potential yield in Indiana, and it's state record yield. Um, so, you know, I'm hearing some of that from farmers as well that, you know, it's, it's good, but as they get out in the fields and start looking at some years, maybe it's not quite as good as they'd hoped. Um, but there's still a lot of really good corn out there, a lot of really good yield potential out there. I think I'm kind of cautiously optimistic um, on that number uh, moving forward. You know, you look at conditions where things maybe are actually getting a little dry out there. You look at the crop condition ratings actually fell 2%. Um, recently so there's potentially some drought stress out there there's still a lot of kernel weight left to be made and a lot of yield left to be made in this corn crop moving forward so we we still have some bit to go to reach that number well let's talk soybeans here sean and uh i don't know you haven't been even as excited about this soybean crop this year it seems like there's just been some things uh happening throughout the season you know, we might change your name to Debbie Downer. I don't know. Oh, oh burn. yeah, burn. But but it just seems like maybe not as excited this year about the soybean crop. Yet USDA still projects a record yield. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So as far as what came out last week, it was a 60 bushel forecast. Um, not the highest forecast we've had, but certainly if that's realized, that's the highest yield we've had at the state level. And so as we go back to 2020, last year, um, the season ended with 58 bushel state average, so that was the record yield uh, for the state and year. Uh, as I looked at this crop, we've got out a pretty good start with planting progress, but then I go back to the middle of summer. You know, a large part of this season, basically about June 15th to July 15th, end up getting rains and rains. Not everywhere got that, but we've got these haves and have-nots, and I've seen way too many highlighter green soybeans uh, for those weeks on end. And then as they're starting to dry out, um, you know, it takes a while for those those nodules and roots to develop again. And so I'm just, I'm still at 60 bushel. We've got to have some timely rains on this limited root development system, the nodules that are limited there, uh, to get it to get anywhere near there. So I think that is a little optimistic. 
Uh, boy, I hope we get it when we think about the yield level and then the price, because unfortunately we do have some neighbors that are in neighboring states that aren't yielding as well and probably won't with the drought that they've had. Um, we're, we're very minor on the dry side now, but um, again, that's what we'd love, but we'd hate for other people to have to experience a poor yield to get good prices on our side. As far as rain is concerned, we have been pretty dry here recently, and that's what I hear from farmers. We need some water here soon. Uh, have, have you looked at extended forecasts? I really haven't to know where we're at in the way of you know what this might bring for soybeans uh, to kind of try to finish this thing out because you kind of need some timely rains here in August for that, right? Yeah, so I mean, the month that makes or breaks soybeans, we always talk about growing up, it was August. Um, you know, I, I kind of switch it. It's it's mid-August to mid-September, that month period, that 30-day period. And, you know, in this year, I mean, we definitely need those timely rains. You drive around, we've got sand ridges that are dry, drying up. Um, just beans are just, they're snessing or dropping leaves. And again, that goes back to, I think, a compromised root system. And then we start to dry out. Certainly, we had a period where we were dry but not you know, excessive temperatures, and so we were able to get through that. But now, last week when we turned dry and hot, just a nasty combination whenever we're looking at pod retention and seed fill, we'll use you know, a quarter inch, three tenths of a, an inch of, of water a day just in the crop alone. And if we don't have that and we don't have the root systems to access that soil profile, we're going to get sold short. Now, you know, we talk about August being the month that, that soybeans are made. Uh, people already are telling me, well, the corn crop, it's already made. But you're telling me there's still some, there's still some bushels out there uh, if we don't get some rain, right? Yeah, there's still, you know, you think about corn, particularly the moisture time period is really during that pollination period, which is that peak water use of corn. That's really when, when yield's made. And then that, that water use kind of tapers off the rest of the season, but it's still important. Um, I always tell folks, you know, you look at the last 30 days of a corn crop, so when it hits dent, that R5 growth stage, until R6, which is black layer physiological maturity, that corn crop, looking at that kernel, still has about 50% of its kernel weight yet to go. So if stuff, you know, stress comes in, if it turns too dry, um, you can really hinder some of that kernel weight, and that's, you know, an important yield component for corn um, that can really impact yield. Um, so we're really hoping that we can catch some of these rains and kind of finish this crop out strong. Uh, so, so Dan, I don't walk in cornfields anymore unless I have to use the facilities and do a little spot fertilizing. <laughs> and so in this, um, where are we in terms of the crop? Are we at R5, R4? I mean, where are we at? I mean, it's that other crop, again, I'll use it as the proper resources as the time allows. Yeah, mostly you look at the southern part of the state, majority of the southern part of the state is in that R5 stage, um, then moving upwards. I think a lot of the state, I haven't looked quite at the numbers that recently came out and telling us what percent dough. Um, but I think the majority of the state is in that R4 to R5 growth stage. Um, okay, so, really, so you're right in that same period of these 30 days for your crop yeah, as well as soybeans. Yeah, so we're really in that peak kernel fill where we're putting on kernel weight stage. That's why it's just so important to, you know, one, have adequate soil moisture, but we're also watching some of those temperatures too. So if we can keep some of those temperatures, especially at night on the lower side, you know, below 70, just reduce that respiration rates of that corn crop and actually help extend that grain fill period a little bit with that corn crop and just help us put more weight in those kernels and 
try and maximize that yield potential that we have. Where are we developmentally with soybeans here, Sean? Yeah, so we're in our growth stages. We're R4 to R5 typically. I mean, we we look at the USDA numbers and they've got us potting uh, over 70% by now. I can't remember the exact number for this week, but in terms of looking at plots that are fairly representative to planting dates, um, we're R4 to R5. And R5, let's just go there. The vast majority is probably at that point. That's when you've got a seed that's an eighth of an inch long uh, in the upper four nodes. And that stage for us is about 15 days, give or take. And then we go into R6, that's a full seed. And so that's your filling the capacity of that pod. And that's about 20 days. So those two growth stages, you know, 30, 35 days. And that's why we talk about right now, this middle of August, the middle of September is going to make or break because that's where we're putting on all the weight you know, in a very high yielding environment, this linear seed fill, we can put on three to four bushels per acre per day during this, you know, R5 to R6 stage. And so this is very critical to make sure that we've got adequate soil moisture as well as the temperatures um, to get that good photosynthetic rate as well as respiration to burn that energy. Now, we had a conversation recently with Darcy Talenko about diseases. And what are you seeing out there? I know we've talked about white mold. Mm -hmm. Uh, How prevalent is that? And what are some of the other things that you're seeing out there, Sean? Yeah, so we we had plenty of cautions in the middle of the season, middle of the late part of the season. And I've talked to a few folks last week. I have not seen white mold popping. Let's not say that it's not there. The few folks I've talked to that had areas that are prone to that, they were actually kind of shocked they hadn't seen it. But also with that, they did not spray you know every field, but the fields they sprayed. So you know maybe they did a preventative action, so they're not seeing because they did that action. Um, but I'll also switch it up a little bit. Uh, we have been drying out on the other diseases. Um, this, this back and forth, you know, we've had uh, driving in this morning, kind of a, a hazy, foggy morning. Uh, that's nice conditions, not nice, but conditions for disease development. I think about frog eye leaf spot. And so uh, we've got a few pockets showing that, but it's, it's not blowing up like I would anticipate, especially with the dewy mornings that we had for the latter part of June or July and early August. So right now we're okay. We talked a lot about tar spot. We talked a lot about southern rust. Uh, what are you seeing out there as you uh, make visits around the state? Yeah, I think tar spot and southern rust both are out there, and they're both prevalently out there. Um, especially you look at the northern part of the state, tar spot. I think talking to Darcy, she's been finding it in a lot of counties even further south than they originally had seen it before. Um, so it's out there. It's prevalent in a lot of areas. The good thing is that you know things are turning dry on the disease side so that can really help potentially slow down a disease like tar spot Um, southern part of the state especially also has southern rust and that's been prevalent in that part of the state i think one thing i've kind of been seeing and talking to a lot of farmers is that you know with the potential yield that we've had this year and then with the um, prices the way they are farmers in my opinion have done a phenomenal job and controlling these these diseases and managing their crops um, against these diseases and have really paid very close attention to both tar spot and southern rust and I think you know Darcy's done a fantastic job of just tracking where those diseases are and, and farmers have been asking so many questions and been on top of it and I think they've done a really good job of controlling that so I think it's been out there but a lot of the fields that you go into and look at you know they still look really good and, and look pretty clean. I wonder if that's going to continue next year, uh, you know, as input uh, costs continue to rise. A lot of the guys I talked to earlier this year, they say that this was one of the cheaper crops they've ever put in the ground because they bought it well ahead of time. And, you know, they've got those extra resources to do that. But as prices go up, 
sort of the input costs as well. So we'll see if that. Uh, yeah, we're seeing that on the fertilizer side already. Trying to uh, guys are trying to book prices and they can't. And so because I mean it's it's on the rise. And so I know that's definitely something that our farmers need to be uh, aware of. You're listening to Purdue Crop Chat with Sean Castile, Dan Quinn, and your host, Eric Pfeiffer. So uh, I'm going to put you guys on the spot here because that's my job. It's what I do. Um, what is it that you think will happen this season? I want a prediction. <laughs> I want a prediction on the record of yield and Ooh, and wow. what what uh, you think needs to happen to get there. So um, you're the new guy, so I'm going to pick on you. <laughs> I'll give Sean a minute to think here. But, Dan, what do you think about yield? Will it be a record for corn in Indiana, and what needs to happen to get there? Well, I think being my first year, I better be pretty op- you know, cautiously optimistic on this number. You know, it might get held against me. You know, move, move <laughs> but if you hit record yield, I mean, really <laughs> – do you need to do anything else? Your first yeah. year, your record yield. <laughs> so maybe bad. it's just you know. It's important to point out that you know my first year as a corn agronomist, we had you know a state record yield predicted in, in August. Is there a, is there a trend there? Well, that's uh, predicted. That's not uh, realized. Yeah. You got to follow it all the way <laughs> yeah. through. Follow through here, man. We're we're expecting bigger things. No, I think I think the corn, you know, it's hard pressed to predict a state record yield average. You know, you look at last year. Um, in 2018, 189, 188, I'd be hard pressed to think it wouldn't be around that range. I think, you know, in the high 180s to 190, I think we have the potential out there. Um, one thing, you know, talking with Sean and then I've talked with Bob a little bit is that, you know, the soybeans have their issues this year and they have pockets and, you know, some of them have that kind of that highlighter green a little bit and we're just not seeing that in corn at all. Even when we've flown fields with drones, we're just not seeing some of those poor areas in the cornfields that may have we've seen in the soybean fields. I just think, you know, looking even at the edges of fields now, they just look good. A lot of the cornfields across the state just look really good. Um, so I think there's a lot of potential out there. And if we can finish out the season strong, you know, potentially can get some high yields. One thing we are a little bit cautious of is specifically the solar radiation and the hazy days and then also some of the, the smoke issues, air quality issues we've had from some of the wildfires both in the western part of the U.S. and also in Canada that potentially could impact, you know, pollination and also, you know, some of that grain fill period where we just didn't get that photosynthetic rates and light inter- interception that we'd hoped for that potentially could have, could impact yields. But, you know, in my opinion, I think yields will be pretty good in this state, hopefully, um, if we can finish it out strong. So what number? He, yeah, I didn't, number. I didn't hear one I didn't either. hear a number. I'm going to predict, I'll say 190. So. Oh, okay. That sounds, that sounds good. Sean, what about you? Oh, my goodness. No, this crop, when you just look at the the crop rating, good to excellent, it's been up there all season long, and you compare it to other high-yielding years, we're roughly 70%, give or take. Uh, those other high-yielding years at this point, 65 68%. So all that puts together, yeah, it should be a record-yielding year. Um, I still think that would be hard-pressed to reach that 60-bushel mark. I really do. Um, I think that we're probably going to knock off a few ticks on that forecast. Um, I've seen too many fields and we saw too much in the middle of the season that just root systems are compromised, nodule load and then nitrogen load. You know, as we get into this period, if we don't have nitrogen, we are dropping leaves, we're dropping pods, and we're dropping yield. And so um, unless we've got that moisture to maintain what little we've got, 
I think 60 bushel at the state level is going to be hard pressed to reach. Um, I think we're going to be upper 50s. You know, I think 57, 58 is probably going to be the number if if we kind of get some moisture to, to finish it out. And we're going to have fields that are going to have okay the drowned out spots. That's an easy zero. But you know, the, the other parts of the field that have been highlighter green, I've got an email still with okay, what's going on with these beans? Are they nitrogen deprived? Are they sulfur de deprived? And yes, they are. And those poor areas. And we're talking not just pockets, but large portions of the field are going to be a 30 bushel, and then the, the better well-drained areas are going to probably be a 60 or 70 bushel. So in, in one field, we'll have a 30 to 60, 70 bushel range in the field alone. So, you know, this idea of getting at a, a 60 to 59 bushel state level, um, that means we've got to have a lot of 75, 80 bushel beans. And there's certainly some of those out there, but I think I'd be hard-pressed to see a 60 bushel number come together. Well, you heard it here first. Sean continues to be a Debbie Downer and <laughs> realist. Killing, I think, killing I think. that, killing that soybean yield. No, no, I, I get it. I, I'm hearing the same thing from farmers that I speak to. They've again, they've been more excited about this corn crop. And, and the soybeans have just kind of been floating along for them, and they, well, they look again, decent. So soybeans have got to, again, on the nitrogen supply, Dan and I have talked about this. If there's enough nitrogen out there for the corn, even those wet fields, wet feet next to the soybeans, if there's enough nitrogen still in the system, the corn's going to use it. Soybeans, okay, the nodules are dead. They've got to re regenerate and have a three to four week uh, recovery period, and so it's just not there. And so unless someone's going to go out there and apply nitrogen and spoon feed that you know i just don't see the beans getting up there yeah i think another aspect for the corn crop is you look back to the beginning of the year is that it was dry at the beginning of the year um, a lot of parts of the state and i think that really helped a lot of the root establishment in corn especially um, probably had some deeper roots so even with the heavy rains that came through you know if nitrogen did end up moving maybe it didn't move out of the root zone and it's still there you look at if stuff turns dry uh, you know now and moving forward maybe we have you know pretty strong root systems that can actually help us uh, help finish that crop out a lot better this has been the purdue crop chat podcast dan sean thank you guys so much for doing this and uh, we'll look forward to doing it again here soon as we get a bit closer to harvest season thanks sir thanks sir this has been purdue crop chat a regular series featuring purdue extensions dr sean castile and dr dan quinn Thank you for joining us for Purdue Crop Chat today, moderated by Eric Pfeiffer, and a service of Purdue University Extension and Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's most listened to farm radio network.